in that case, Tez will um, put the note in the drawer. And then destroy the other dean's office. Ha ha ha. In that case, Tez will throw a rager. I burn down the entire tower. Live at the Mundangerous Infirmary in New York City, I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 330 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 3, Episode 11. In this episode, we're continuing our playthrough of the 5th edition D&D adventure, The Magister's Masquerade. From the source book, Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Tez Proudgale is unconscious, as is companion Meepo. Skelebro, however looking uh, pretty good and has decided to complete the mission here in the middle of the night in the dean's office and has unceremoniously literally broken into dean augusta tullis's office i believe he had at least tacit permission if not outright aid in doing so from the uh previous uh, professors on the walls uh, from the from the portraits right who would have yes. no horse in this race correct <laughs> Except to watch things burn. Oh, he's also asking for some treasure. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just as soon as he gets back on his feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's dreaming, dreaming of of treasure. All right, so Scalabro, who is just savoring a little bit this moment of peace and quiet. It's been such a long time. Uh. Yeah, but I think Skelebro also knows he probably doesn't have too much time. They did cause quite a big ruckus uh, in the process of, you know, getting knocked out and then handling the the Invisible Stalker. So he's going to start looking very quickly, uh, basically in all the things that Tez had described that he was going to look for um, in terms of, you know, information for where Dean Tullis is gone. Uh, and where now that uh, that twig blight has come from. Um, he's looking for that kind of information. Right, because there there was the uh, thunderous peal uh, audible within 300 feet of Tez's thunder wave, plus also the booming blade. So perhaps people are on their way. All right, so he breaks the lock on the dean's door and... Steps inside. The desk in this office is barely visible beneath heaps of books, papers, and knickknacks. Every shelf and one of the room's three chairs have similar burdens. Were he a rogue archaeologist, he could perhaps identify some of the uh, interesting, mm, I wouldn't quite say artifacts, but you know, artifacts in the generic sense uh, on uh, plinths here uh, in the office. Um, the only sort of like clear space is up against one wall. There is a 12 foot high, it almost looks like a, looks like a door in the wall, but uh, you can tell it it's sort of leaning back and as he, as eyes adjust even further to the darkness, you can tell that it looks like the frame of a large mirror, except that the where there were where there would be glass there is wood well this investigation has quickly become purloining uh can 
Can Skelebro, uh look for signs of which papers or which stacks have been sort of disturbed uh, most recently? Mm. Okay, since he's not currently yet like rifling through and reading the information, let's call this a perception check. Perfect. Okay, let's call it a perception indeed. I rolled a 16. I believe that is going to be a 25. 24. A 20. No, hang on. No, a 20. Sorry, that would be ridiculous. (laughs) Just a 20. A 20 is still very good. Uh, As usual, the keen-eyed and eared former elf casually glances around the room and takes it all in in an instant. Yes, the papers on the desk are the least dusty. Artifacts on the the plinths um, have uh, built up a a fair amount. He would say probably at least a few weeks before any of this, since any of this stuff has actually really been touched. The frame against the wall uh, actually looks relatively clean. Um, He is moving through quickly because he doesn't feel like he has much time. He's not flipping the place, right? But the place is a mess. So he's, he's going through, right? And with a cursory search, um, he is able to locate in one of the drawers of the desk, uh, he finds uh, an assortment of coins totaling 50 gold pieces. I'm not robbing her. <laughs> okay, he leaves it. Yeah, I I, I mean, yeah, Skelebro will shuffle the papers into a uh, into Tez's bag, but he's not robbing her. That's nice. On the under a pile of papers on the desk itself, he also finds a magical wand. Okay, well that he's gonna take if for no <laughs> other purpose than to return. Of course, right? Of course. I, I and... mean, money has no provenance, but you know, a magic wand you can easily use that and hand it back. Sure. He also finds ooh three potions of healing in a cupboard. That seems to be a, a medicine cupboard, essentially. Other things in here uh, include various li- liquors. Now we have a real conflict of interest. Mm. On one hand, Skelebro's appreciating the quiet. On the other hand, he has a means of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> and I think... He pauses for for more than a second and then trudges out and uh, feeds one of the potions to Tez. Uh, 2d4 plus 2 hit points. He regains 6 plus 2 is 8 hit points. All right. Uh, And Tez, the fine upstanding adventurer that he is, We'll turn to Meepo, look at Skelebro, mutter thanks, and then say, keep an eye on him. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you want me to give him a potion? Uh, Honestly, hold off. I shall tell him of your decision. We, We need to go quickly. I don't need the distraction. I was supposed to be in here alone. Wow. It's fine. I'm trained for this. Okay, let me just do... 
my job. You know he was so committed to your bit that he's actually drunk. <laughs> well, all the more reason to let him sleep it off. Uh, what'd you find in there, by the way? He hands you the two potions of healing remaining. Uh, and then uh, from his satchel pulls the wand. Uh, and then he, he, also, he also points out the papers on the desk that he's grabbed already. These are the ones that are the most recently disturbed. Uh, and he'll mention, you know, the knickknacks on the plinths and the uh, the frame. Does he mention the gold in the uh, drawer? No, no, he's, he does not. If he, if he okay. left it there, then, then he wants it to stay there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Tez nods and says, great job. We'll look through those papers later. That mirror sounds suspicious. And he goes to investigate the mirror. So Tez steps inside and sees the same things that Skelebrow saw. Um, however, he can see that on the plinths are artifacts of historical significance, but not particularly much monetary value. He'd probably say there's like six things on the wall worth about 25 gold each. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, Tez, I, I mean, Tez isn't going to bother with this stuff. Right. I mean, it's more interesting than it is valuable. It would probably not worth looting. As Tez passes through, you know, he glances at some of the things, right? Scalibur hasn't gathered literally everything in this room. There's still, like, assorted papers on the desk and the floor. Um, he can see, with like, casually that there are ungraded essays from other students. Um, and he takes a look, and he can see that one of them is dated at least um, two weeks ago. So it's been sitting here a while that she hasn't been doing proper professor work. Hmm. Her TAs aren't even grading papers for her. All right. Uh, um. And then you approach the frame of the mirror, 12 feet tall, um, made of inlaid and carved wood. Um, give me your choice of, I think it's the same for you, history or arcana. Uh, it is the same for me. Uh, Tez will be guidancing. Um, he will have a 12 plus 7 is 19. Uh, I think Tez is going for Arcana here. I think that's what he would he would look at first. This, this plainly looks like some type of portal. With a 19, uh, Tez can tell that there is something magical about this. Um, in fact... It's not even that complicated a mechanism. He re reaches up and with uh, his artificer's training, spots uh, a couple of knots in the wood. Uh, he taps them in succession and the wooden front of the mirror recedes. Where previously it looked like a solid piece of wood, he could now see that it was just extremely well fitted together. Uh, almost like sliding doors that part uh, into the frame itself. And he can see, not a portal, but glass. Uh, clean, bright glass. And he can see himself, a reflection of himself. But behind him is not the room, but instead is the rolling, moving deck of a ship. 
a fine ship by the looks of it. Lazarin. If Tez were... Let's say, if Tez were the eldest child, the heir, and had inherited everything from his parents, how would he be dressed? I mean, they are royalty, but only in, like, the sense of royalty means you have political power, right? Like, they aren't truly aristocratic royalty. So I think he would be dressed very much like a practical ship captain. Um, so he would have a fancy hat, but otherwise he would have, you know, kind of loose clothes, um, you know, uh, probably a suntan, uh, maybe maybe some sunburn, right? And like would be sweaty and grimy and, and have been working, you know, at sea for some time. And so this is like this vision of Tez is one that were he the heir that he would have chosen for himself because he has the he would have the wherewithal to be who he wanted to be at that point. Is it is this like is the what you have described to me a vision of Tez that would make him in some manner happy? Huh, that's an existential question. I don't know that Te- Tez is fundamentally unhappy not being the heir, um, but I do think if he were the heir. Uh, that would be the happy, the happy part of the responsibility would be having a ship and a crew. Yeah. Great. Okay, cool. So then that is what Tez sees in the mirror. Um, a version of himself who is in control of his own destiny, um, has made decisions that he finds fulfilling and with a very fine hat, uh, on the deck of a fine ship, uh, and you can see that there is a sea breeze, a rustling clothing and hair that Tez does not feel, it is only in the mirror. And then, you know, you turn around, you can see the room is the same. The only thing different is the reflection. Hmm. I've heard tell of these types of mirrors. Uh, Tez imagines himself contacting Professor (laughs) not finding her (laughs) contacting contacting Dean Tullis Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing happens nothing changes he he imagines himself (laughs) not using the stone (laughs) but But finding the stone The stone doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing happens. And from, from Tez's Arcana check, he can he, he can tell that like as he's trying to like think at this thing and get it to change stuff, there doesn't seem to be an interaction, right? He's not like hitting a wall or anything. Yeah. It, that's just what this, this novelty item does. Uh, thus far, yes. If there's a magic if there's one thing you learn in uh, rogue archaeology school, it's that if there is a magic item there was a creator of that magic item who created it for a purpose. Very true. And Tez would like to rack his brain for what the purpose of just such a mirror might be. Hmm. All right. Can I uh, history this? <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right. With my guidance, uh, 18 plus 7 is 25. Sometimes historical records are exactly where you would expect them to be. The first thing Tez does is checks for 
a signature of some kind. Many magical item creators put their names on things because they want people to know I made this. And lo and behold, on the back of the mirror, near the bottom, inlaid into the wood, is the name Babelcheek Bellogard. You got a 25? Yes. This is a name Tez knows. Mm, tell me more about Babelcheek Bellogard. Babelcheek Bellogard was a gnomish artificer from about 300 years ago. Obviously, Zalargo. Um, Tez doesn't know much about Bellogard, except that if you thought the questions that I was asking you about Tez and happiness were, you know, existential, these are the kinds of things that um, interested Bellogard. And he created magical items that he believed would aid in revealing some sort of truth to people. He, he was less interested in magic items that had a distinct, useful, or like military or dangerous purpose. Um, he, he was more a philosopher artificer, if you will. Oh, okay. So he was a chaotic evil artificer. You could have just said that. <laughs> I, I said gnome. Yeah. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I don't want to help people. I just want to make them unhappy. <laughs> to think about things. Once I ask the question, are you happy? You no longer are. <laughs> so those are the kinds of things like, you know, every once in a while you'll hear about someone running across a, a, a bellow guard, right? Mm. And it isn't always useful, but it does make you think. And at that moment... With Meepo slung over his shoulder, um, Skelebro walks into the room and just whispers, Are we moving quickly? I do not know how much time we have. And then both of you notice the same thing at the same time. He has stepped into the room, and now you can see his reflection in the mirror, as can he. And what Tez sees, instead of Skelebro, is exactly where he is in the same position with a kobold slung over his shoulder, a six and a half foot tall flaming skeleton. Interesting. Skelebro, interesting. And he looks at you, looks at himself and says, Why am I on fire and why are you on a boat? Well, it does beg the question. And uh, Tez walks over and uh, utters an incantation and touches Meepo and Cures his wounds. Aw. Uh, Meepo blinks, claps his snout as he's waking up. I rolled a seven. Meepo regains 11 hit points. Nice. He has more hit points than Tez, per usual. Hmm. <laughs> Did we win? Uh, in a manner of speaking, uh, Meepo, or, or Skelebro, would you mind uh, giving Meepo the glass? Positions Meepo in front of the mirror and and backs away. Meepo gives a start and a little yelp jumps back uh, before realizing that Skelebro isn't actually on fire. Mm, Meepo would like the same hat. It is a very fine hat. Staring at your reflection. In, but both of you see that Meepo looks completely unchanged. Meepo looks like Meepo. Man, I'm so happy for him. Like me, Shane, I'm happy for him living his best life. <laughs>
And if you ask Meepo what he sees, when he, in his reflection, he says, Meepo sees Meepo. You are my most fascinating friend, Meepo. <laughs> and I mean that as no insult, Skelebro. The flaming skeleton in the, in, in the reflection shrugs. <laughs> and Tez tries to explain uh, the significance of a Belagard and, you know, what this mirror could be and sort of explains that, like, uh, his is sort of a, an, an alternative uh, source of happiness or at least contentedness for Tez that might, um, you know, a future that won't come to pass and just sort of says, Meepo, I, I understand what that means in your case. Um, Skelebro, I'm, I'm really not sure what that says about you. You would rather be a skeleton, a flaming skeleton, than you would even your original self? Uh, he thinks for a second and ponders, and Skelebro is quite old. Perhaps the mirror does not reflect who we want to be. But who we truly are. So you're truly a flaming skeleton, and I'm truly the heir to my parents' uh, principality? Perhaps metaphorically. Do you not know me well enough to think that perhaps deep inside I am a flaming skeleton? Okay, sure. Uh, it, from a danger perspective, perhaps, but you certainly contain more multitudes than a, you know, routine dungeon-dwelling flaming skeleton? Perhaps. Then he extends a long, bony finger at the mirror and says, But there is something about this I recognize. A dead man who burns. In the meantime, Meepo has sort of padded forward to get a closer look at his own reflection, taps the glass. Uh, and when he touches it, you hear... A chime, a pleasant, high-toned chime, and that's it. Hmm. Interesting, Mebo. Interesting. Perhaps we have not uncovered everything that this uh, this Belligard has to offer. Um, Tez will touch it as well. Let's do one more arcana. Or insight. Oh, insight, you say? Mm -hmm. A little bit of introspection for the least introspective character on Earth. It's possible. Uh, well, we're going to go with arcana because <laughs> Tez looks outward, not inward. <laughs> who's got time for that? Uh, and he didn't roll well, but he is very good at this. I rolled a six and a four plus seven is 17. Uh, Tez taps the glass and nothing happens. And then when, like, Scalabro tries, nothing happens. And when Meepo touches the glass again, at this point, nothing happens. Hmm. Perhaps some type of alarm. Perhaps. A warning. A setting. Could be any of those. I mean, if it were an, if it was an alarm, then it is a pleasant-sounding, audible one. Sure, but, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't, you know. Actually alert someone, yes. Alert something true. else, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Gentlemen, they're not going to teach us this on day one of rogue archaeology or any type of archaeology, but trust me when I say I know what I'm doing here. And he whips out his all-purpose tool, which is a <laughs> screwdriver, 
and he just smashes it into the glass. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, hmm. What is, what is your intent here? Uh, my intent is just to see, like, what parts of this are magical, right? Because I expect that if it's truly magically infused, that, like, hitting it with a with a screwdriver is not going to even leave a mark right but there's something to this uh that i i've not uncovered yet and uh and and tez would like to start ruling things out great uh you smash it with like the butt end or the sharp end of the screwdriver yeah like the butt end of the screwdriver great okay um all three of you deck saving throws (laughs) great We definitely have the hit points for this. <laughs> uh, is this a... Uh, is this a uh, charm? Yes, is this a charm? Uh, yes, actually. Okay, well, I have advantage mm-hmm. against being charmed. <laughs> I will not be charmed, sir. Uh, Tez has a 25. Now let's get the 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 two victims. Um, <laughs> I rolled a six for Skelebro, which brings his deck save to a six, uh, and I rolled a fourteen for Meepo, which brings his deck save. He doesn't have deck saves. He does have sixteen decks though, so he has a seventeen. Oh wait! Oh sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, uh, Skelebro has Fey ancestry. Oh, so yeah, he yeah. has advantage versus mm-hmm, charm. Mm-hmm. So his six might be, well, a twelve. <laughs> so I don't think the outcome is any different. But it's still it's a better number. Tez and Meepo nimbly dodge out of the way. Uh, Skelebro, however, is just standing right there and takes the full brunt as the mirror and the frame explode. Uh, and shrapnel flies everywhere, and Meep, uh, Tez is certainly expecting to get you know hit with splinters, and he does, but they almost feel sort of like soft. Uh, and then he he realizes that he's sort of covered in like bits of sawdust, and as he like looks down, the wood itself um, is is light, almost airy, like like balsa wood. Like he couldn't actually hurt anybody. So he and Meepo are covered in essentially sawdust. Skelebro takes 15 psychic damage. Is this uh, the sawdust? Is this um? Uh, it's not called float wood. What is the sore wood? The... Yeah, sore wood. That's it. I don't care about nature checks. Yes. Okay. Uh, but that's confusing because the frame itself wasn't wasn't floating. Floating, right? Right. Okay. Huh. More meets the eye. Are you okay, Skelebro? Uh, is he like hit point wise? Oh yeah, he's at uh twenty or he's at thirty seven, and I suppose he'll just second wind immediately. Uh, right. So shakes his head and nods, and regains fourteen of the fifteen hit points he cool. lost. <laughs> uh, Meepo, however, begins to glow. Meepo begins to glow. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Meepo? Is this uh, some new trick you've learned? Meepo feels the same. Shane, I would like you to write some things down. 
Okay. What is Meepo's current strength? Oh, this is changes to Meepo's character. Mm-hmm. I will write them down in his character sheet. His current strength is seven. Okay, stays seven. What is Meepo's current dexterity? Sixteen. It stays sixteen. Constitution? Okay. Ten. It becomes fourteen. Okay. And so he gains two points per hit die, which I think he's level six, but he has two additional or one additional. So he has he seven. Has, he actually has eight hit dice. Eight, so, so he, he gains, gains 16, sixteen hit points. 16. Yep. Intelligence? Eight. Is now ten. Okay. Wisdom. Uh seven. It is now nine. His current charisma is eight. It is now fourteen. Hmm. This is a good mirror to break. <laughs> Again, Meepo says doesn't feel different at all. The two the two of you though, however. His presence just seems to be more commanding and impressive. He doesn't look any different at all. In fact, maybe it occurs to you, maybe the two of you are just seeing him the way he sees himself. Hmm. Hmm. I guess I can report back that Belagard did make one useful item in his miserable life. <laughs> <sighs> All right, you are in uh, Dean Tellis's office in the middle of the night. You have papers in your bag. Uh, there's gold left unlooted. Yeah, but Tess doesn't know that. And who knows, there may be authorities on the way. Yeah, we had an exit plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been several uh, real-life weeks, but I believe that our exit plan was a rope of climbing left out the window. Was the plan that you lowered it from, like, the crenellation at the top of the tower? I believe so, yeah. Before you go to open a window and try to leave, are you doing anything at all to cover your tracks? Because right now, a bunch of portraits know that you were here. And a twig blight is dead, an invisible stalker is dead, and uh, much of this room has exploded. Tez will, uh, on a uh, sheaf of paper... That is, uh, you know, perhaps unused. He will quickly scribble down a note. Dear Dean Tullis, sorry about your mirror and for breaking in. Really need to find you. Very urgent. Like really, really, really urgent. Thanks. Respectfully, Tez Proudgale. Great. You were, like, physically writing this with actual ink? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Not only that, but I will, uh... I will make the page glow. (laughs) (laughs) Using, uh... Can't miss it. Like, I'll just... Yeah, I'll uh, I'll tap it with my uh, all-purpose tool and uh, utter a quick incantation, and uh, it will... I will magically tinker it to glow. Now, what if it is not Dean Tullis who happens upon this scene? Uh, I, uh, good point. Tez folds the paper over and scribbles Dean Tullis on one side. <laughs> okay. Um, Tez is an accomplished uh, rogue, of course. Um, do you repair the door to this office? Like, do you mend it like you did the previous door? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I, I don't want to leave anything broken. The purpose of this is not to cause damage. Right, so if you if you mend the door and then close and lock the door, there's no, at least apparent evidence that anything happened in this room. Ah, right. It could have been any room. Or none, right? It could have all, all just been in the reception room. In that case, Tez will um, put the note in the drawer. And then destroy the other Dean's office. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in that case, Tez will throw a rager. <laughs> I, I burn down the entire tower. <laughs> I, I meteor swarm the town below. <laughs> They'll never notice what I did. Yeah, so as he's repairing the door, uh, he will comment to the portraits. Um, we didn't find her. I don't even really know if we found what we're looking for. Um, but I'm sure they're going to be mad that I did this. So it'd be cool if you guys were really cool and just like, you know, didn't turn me in. But anyway, I appreciate the help. Give me a persuasion check. Our whole party is constantly slow playing these portraits. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a nine, so it's an eighteen. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> the the gr- the grumpy portrait, the one who didn't let you in, begrudgingly says, <laughs> "Did that kobold get more attractive?" I fine, I'm, fine. I'm glad I'm not the only one who sees it. Be on your be on your way. Thank you. <laughs> and with that, Tez relocks the door and then ducks out the window into the night and you're gone well that was maybe successful who knows <laughs> yeah no, you do have no no good heist like i don't know what i found sure hope it was something <laughs> hope i grabbed everything useful uh you have a magic wand unidentified and a huge stack of papers uh well if there's a stack of papers there's only one place to take it go to the library <laughs> mm. um I think it's very late at night, though, right? It is. So the library is currently closed. Do you want to wait until the morning or do something else? Um, you know, we're all looking worse for wear, except for Scalabro, who's looking like he caught a second wind. Uh, I think it probably makes sense to go ahead and... Oof. There's some urgency to this, though. No, I think it's better to get a, a good night's sleep. We'll tackle it in the morning, even if we have to blow off class. All right. You know, there's uh, no sign of a guilty conscience like uh, staying up all night. <laughs> right. <laughs> like nothing says not a, not guilty like sleeping with the stolen materials <laughs> just at the foot of your bed. <laughs> all right. Um, you sleep uh, and no one comes for you. And in the morning... As early as possible, you head to the library. Per usual, your uh, gnomish librarian is there. Goodness, it's quite early. I'm glad to see you taking your studies seriously. Yeah, well, it's we're studying something seriously. It's for the, uh, you know, that extracurricular project we were working on. Um, I've got a lot of stuff here, and I need to start making heads or tails of it before they catch on that anything's missing. 
Ah, well, um, I'll get you a private room. Thank you. Oh, and uh, and if you have a moment, uh, anything on uh, Babble Cheek Bellegarde and mirrors? One of my favorites, she says without without missing a beat. I, I didn't know that you, you were aware of his work. He leans in and is like, you do know I'm a rogue archaeologist, don't you? I I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? I know very, very little. Hmm, well, I'll see what I can find. Uh, and then leads uh, the three of you to a room. This one, you can tell, is um, paneled with fine wood. No windows. All right. Scalabro, let's recreate these piles here uh, as best you can from how you how we took them. And uh, I guess start going through it. Anything that would give us any any indication of where she's headed, especially any mention of Zalargo. She clearly has uh, made some trips that, that direction. All right. Give me an investigation check. And Aladra does not protect. <laughs> Four plus, well, I guess Elijah protects, but Tez is bad. Four plus three is seven, plus four is 11. Nice, nice. Meepo also has um, investigation, right? Mm, it may be, but he's not very smart. No, but with the two of you working together, that gives you advantage. All right, well, that improved moderately. That's a seven plus three is 10, and a plus four is 14. Well, the first thing you discover is this magic wand is a wand of secrets. There's three charges. You can use an action to expend one, and if a secret door or trap is within 30 feet of you, it pulses and points at the one nearest to you. It regains 1d3 charges every day at dawn. Interesting. I do like that. There are many kinds of papers here. Ungraded essays. You can tell that Dean Tullis is actually a pretty meticulous record keeper, which makes sense, right? Being an archeologist. But the first thing that you notice, the first out of place thing that you notice is that you have among these papers, the missing papers from the archives. If you recall, previously Meepo discovered that a big chunk of papers were missing, all of the records from Dean Tullis' last expedition where she found the orb. You have them. They are here. Ah. And as you read through them, they are pretty typical. It was an expedition to the Fortress Badlands. Um, not a well-researched place. Um, and it, the dig seems to go unremarkably until the last week and her notes read discovered glass relic today construction unlike other badlands antiquities further study required a note on the next page from the next day says little progress today headache makes it difficult to focus and as you continue to read through um, every day she is you know logging her research on the orb, and every, as every day passes, more and more of her notes are about the orb. Found myself arguing with the team, blaming headaches and lack of sleep. Convinced that the glass orb doesn't originate from the Badlands inhabitants. 
Is it more modern? The magic is strange. And then, on the last day, departing the expedition early, I am frustrated with the team, eager to investigate the orb at Arcanix's facilities. And then, at the bottom of that page, in what looks like almost a different handwriting, or maybe changed handwriting, it says, home again, home again, home again, home again, over and over about a dozen times. Home again, home again. The log, as it goes into more detail, you know, basically says that after the discovery of the orb, she becomes more agitated. Um, she finds it more difficult to work with the team. Um, you can tell, like, from an outsider perspective, she basically gets more flaky, right? She's not reporting for duty properly. She gets almost, like, obsessed with this orb. And that fits very much in line with the way that you have seen her sort of personality change even throughout just the few weeks of the semester. Right, and the description of her uh, of her assistant, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Where are the Badlands again? Um, they are several hundred miles to the south of where you are on the border of Dargoon. Uh, they're not particularly like um, noteworthy archaeologically. So, like you know, you've heard of the area, but it's not like oh, a big dig site. Right, right, right. But as an impartial observer, uh, this looks like to Tez that the orb is slowly uh, having undue influence over her behavior and that the last notes of home again, home again, home again are not about um, Dean Tullis, but about the orb itself. So placing the origin of the orb should be a clue as to where Dean Tullis went. That makes a lot of sense to you, especially with the note that says that she doesn't think the orb originated in the Badlands. Right. It just happened to be there. And your investigation check was a 14, right? Uh, it was a 14, Ultimately yes. Ultimately a 14. There is another section of papers that is interesting to you. And this is much more personal again the dean um takes copious and thorough notes as a habit and you can see her notes from this semester and at the very beginning you know she's noting um students who stand out in class you know students who um, answer questions correctly or incorrectly or who seem very invested or not invested at all. And you can see there are a few notes. She's, she noticed that, you know, you seem to have a good head on your shoulders in terms of uh, this this classwork. Um, she does note that your companions are not quite as good, but hopes that, you know, you'll perhaps be a, a good influence on them. But as the weeks go by, these notes also change. And near the end, about, maybe written about a week ago, there is a list of names, many, many names, perhaps 60 or 70 names. You don't recognize all of the names, but you know, every single name that you do recognize is a student's name. Some of these students, you've heard the name before, you don't know the person. Some of them, you know, you know them cursorily from, like, 
you know, them answering a question in class. Some of them you know very well. And the these notes are written in the handwriting of the dig log that says home again, home again, home again. But still, it, it continues from the dean's notes. And the tone is different. They're, they're almost, the comments are almost sometimes like cruelly casual. Um, and they don't seem to be focused at all on how a student is doing in class. Uh, you actually can't really tell what they're about, but they, besides many students' names, there's just a note that says unremarkable, uninteresting, um, no value. Uh, besides a, beside a few other names, there are notes that say potentially promising, will investigate. Some students, though, there are very specific notes. For example, next to Aurora Luna Winterstar, it simply says, Dampier, protected by Sire, useless. Uh, adjacent to Quintilius, the uh, Prismari who uh, you defeated and uh, took his glove, um, it simply says, too stupid. Uh, next to Rampart, it says not suitable. Uh, who who has the most positive? Po positive is a strange word. Next to uh, Meepo, it says high potential. Uh, next to Scalabro, it says already dead and spoken for. And next to Tez Proudgale, it says. <laughs> um, next to Tez, to Tez Proudgale, it says, um, destiny lies elsewhere. Next to, there, there are two entries that both say too powerful. Those are the entries next to Melwithorn, the Warforged and Rosie Miffenbip. Interesting. You can also see that there are um, notes next to not just third years, right? So not just the people taking this advanced arcane history class. There are uh, people from uh, other years. And the last one that sticks out to you is a note next to Grayson Wildemere. Yes, the sneering uh, metal wearer who exactly. writes the gossip column. Exactly. Who's down one metal. That says, future vessel for an inspired lord. <sighs> um, so I, Shane, know what this is, and this is what I suspected. Uh, but I don't know if Tez knows about Quarry and Dalcor. Have Tez give me a history check. Can I perhaps read from my character sheet briefly? Mm, go for it. 
When you attempt to learn or recall a piece of lore, if you do not have that information, or if you do not know that information, you often know where and from whom you can obtain it. Usually this information comes from a library, scriptorium, university, or a sage or other learned person or creature. Your DM might rule that the knowledge you seek is secreted away in an almost inaccessible place, or that it simply cannot be found. Unearthing the deepest secrets of the multiverse can require an adventure or even a whole campaign. I am of the sage background. That is my feature researcher (laughs) (laughs) perfect give me the history check this feels like a time for elijah's blessing and she delivers uh nine plus four plus seven is 21 the first thing tez thinks is you know what would be great it would be nice to have my hands on that medal (laughs) and he mutters this aloud and wonders is it still on the floor of the Fury Gale repository where we left it. And Meepo says, mm, no. Well, where is it? Mm, Meepo has it. You little thief. Meepo has been wearing it. Meepo has never had a medal before. Well, I would say that you've earned this one. Uh, so he, he pulls it out. He hasn't been displaying it, uh, but it is on a, um, a knotted cord of leather uh, around his neck. He pulls it out. Uh, takes the strap from over his head and hands it over to to Tez. And so for the first time, Tez can actually like take a good look at this thing. And he realizes, first off, it's not written in Galifarn. It's not written in Common. It uses a similar script, but it is a different language. You got a 21 history? I did. And it is not unfamiliar to Tez. In fact, he feels like he studied something similar. As a princeling of the Lazar Principalities, uh, Tez was schooled in etiquette and regional, regional and local history, right? One would assume. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that was a question. I thought that just spoke for itself. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> and one of his lessons from long ago sort of bubbles up, unbidden. There is a legend, not a, a secret legend. It's Most scholars know this, but it's particularly well known in the Lazar Principalities that Lazar, the pirate captain who was the first to cross the sea and begin the immigration of humans to Corvair 2,000 years ago, well, she sailed from Sarlona. So Tez knows that. The provenance of humans and therefore many half-elves, as he is, in Corvair originally comes from Sarlona. And not just humans, but also their languages. Sarlona being the continent uh, on which Riedra's uh, positioned, if I'm not mistaken. That is exactly correct. And so, Tez immediately uh, rings a buzzer for the librarian and asks for anything she might have, particularly restricted materials on Riedra, Sarlona, and the Inspired Lords. 
as she closes the door. Mm, none of that will be written down. But where did you hear the term inspired lord? Uh, it came up in uh, Dean Tellus's notes. Hmm. So she will tell Tez uh, a very sort of rudimentary version of what I believe you, Shane, already know. Uh, but for the audience, the Inspired Lords are the people who rule Sarlona and specifically Briedra. Except that they're not really people. They are, in fact, people who have been possessed by quarry spirits from Dalcor, the region of dreams. Uh, and they are evil and ruthless and attempting to hunt down all the Kalashtar. Uh, yeah. And so that means... That means if Grayson Wildemere is a future vessel for an Inspired Lord, that means that, and you're looking at his medal, right, that you cut off his chest, uh, the noble family that he comes from is from Sorlona, not Corvair. Right. You will also recall that his two friends, Malathorn and Rosie Miffenbit, are the ones marked in the notes as too powerful. Too powerful. So they could be inspired themselves. Yes, yes, that's a possibility. Um, three inspired, or two inspired and one future inspired traveling together would be crazy talk like why 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 would that happen and as you talk with the librarian a little more right and are, are trying to like figure out what what this means when you mentioned that what you're actually looking for is not an inspired lord but a future vessel for an inspired lord she says oh you mean the chosen uh i do i do what I do? Yes, they're people bred to be vessels, to be possessed by the by a quarry spirit. If uh, your friend is indeed a chosen, it is a poor life that he's been given. Uh, do you happen to know if this is a life he's chosen, or is this like uh, something his family does? Her like on a hereditary basis or is it like they exchange their uh, progeny for uh, you know every every generation as needed in order to, to pay a tithe in order to maintain their aristocracy yeah, how does Riedra work she says we have very little information but from our best guess it's almost like a breeding program so perhaps uh Melathorn and Rosie are not students either, but they are in fact his minders and handlers. Definite possibility if he is essentially property being raised to be possessed later, then he would be a valuable commodity. And once the librarian has left, Skelebro chimes in and says, This of course is our answer. And Meepo, of course, chimes up and looks very confused. Yes, the the chosen one flanked by death must survive the shadow at night, else all dreams come true. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I, I get it. 
um, flanked by death, though. How are they death? And what's the shadow at night? All good questions. And you know what? You know where to find the answers. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll find out where next time. All right. (laughs) And let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing our playthrough of the Magister's Masquerade and barreling toward the ending. Well, that's it for episode 330 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.